Hi, and welcome to The Big Schmear, the podcast about Jewish food. I'm Beth Schenker, your host, and I'm happy to have you join me at Milt's Barbecue for the Perplexed in the Lakeview area of Chicago. I'm going to be talking with the owner of Milt's and the head chef, but first, I have to tell you where we're recording this interview. I'm not in a soundproof studio. I'm actually, well, I'm kind of in the restaurant. I did get to walk through the restaurant, and it smells amazing in there. Uh, My mistake today was that I hadn't stopped for dinner first, and so no sampling of the food before the interview. I know I'm going to stop on the way after, but I've I've already been to Milt's, so I can tell you, if you are in Chicago and you need some serious barbecue, this is the place to come. Great location, not far from Wrigley Field, and it is baseball season. Anyway, I'm getting a little off the track, so let me get you a little familiar with my guest today. Here's a brief but formal bio on both gentlemen. Jeff Ader is the owner and founder of both Milt's Barbecue for the Perplexed and Milt's Extra Innings. Milt's Barbecue for the Perplexed is a very popular kosher barbecue restaurant, and Milt's Extra Innings is a casual takeout deli staffed by young adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. In addition to owning two fine kosher eateries, Jeff is a local Chicago real estate investor. He and his wife founded Walcott School in Chicago, an independent high school for bright, college-bound students who learn differently. It'll become quite clear very soon that Jeff has a thing for baseball. Both restaurants are in Chicago near Wrigley Field, and the restaurants donate all of their profits to charity. In addition to that, Milt's Extra Innings showcases some of Jeff's baseball collection. He has the largest collection of Jewish baseball memorabilia in the country and is the founder of the Jewish Baseball Museum. And we will get to that before too long. You can't have a restaurant without a chef. So let me tell you about Chef Brian Greika, who has a passion for food. He started cooking from an early age, and he was focused on providing eclectic cuisine to anyone who would dare try his creations. That sounds dangerous. Growing up in central Arkansas, he adopted a love for soulful barbecue, which he has taken to his current foray at Milt's Barbecue for the Perplexed. Although he loves working with barbecue, his professional training has been in traditional French cooking. Chef Greika has many of his recipes featured in cookbooks as well as online and in television publications. A popular personal chef and lecturer, nothing excites him more than discovering new flavor combinations. Since moving to Chicago, he's become well entrenched in the local kosher scene, working at many of the top venues in the area. In his free time, he enjoys spending time with his wife and three children. And not generally a requirement for food work, he's into baseball, too. Welcome, Jeff and Brian. Hi. Thank you very much. I'm really happy that we could get our schedules together and make this happen. It's, it's just really great to be able to get together and talk about Milt's. Jeff, maybe you can start and, um, and tell me how you got into the restaurant business. Well, that was a, uh, it was never planned. Rabbi Lopatin, who was the rabbi here at uh, Anshe Sholem, had uh, been bothering me and explaining about how important it was to build community and that, you know, a, a kosher restaurant was what we needed in Lakeview. And he convinced me. And shortly after he convinced me, he 
and we opened up. He said, "By the way, I'm moving to uh, Riverdale." <laughs> so remember. that's uh, yeah, that's how uh, it started. Oh, gee. And can you talk a little bit about the neighborhood and Lakeview and why it would be important to have a kosher restaurant in this area of Chicago? Well, from my perspective, you know the the projects that I work on, the school, the Walcott School, Milt's Extra Innings, Milt's Barbecue for the Perplexed, it's all about uh, inclusivity, you know, and community. And so having a restaurant where you can bring in all sorts of people from all sorts of, all walks uh, walks of life, where you have kosher food, gluten-free, nut-free environment, vegan options, there's nothing that would prevent anybody, any dietary restrictions from eating at Milt's. And so I wanted that, but I also wanted not to serve solely the kosher-keeping population, but I wanted it to be a community uh, place. And so being in Lakeview, where we do have three synagogues, a, a modern Orthodox, a Reformed, and a Conservative within three or four blocks of the restaurant— you know, and it is a place that is very diverse. Lakeview is the most diverse area in Chicago. It's uh, that it was a perfect location for me, and I think it's turned out great. Yeah, I think it has too. Tell me, did the concept for the restaurant and like the barbecue thing come to you first, or did you bring on the chef who said, I think we should do barbecue here? How, how did all that happen? Well, for me, I love barbecue. So, and barbecue is something which. I thought you could do kosher as well as as a non-kosher barbecue that, that you know to be able to have the sauces and you know the fact that you weren't going to be able to have both milchik and fleshik you know didn't really affect the barbecue so I thought barbecue was great the chances of me running into a, a kosher chef uh, from the middle of Arkansas, who <laughs> loved barbecue and baseball, was that was all serendipitous. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's that is crazy. So, do you want to tell me how that happened, or do you both want to tell me how that happened? How they found me? Yeah. Actually, I got contacted by two different people the same day. Ooh, yeah. that's eerie. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, someone contacted me through LinkedIn, who was the initial hiring manager of the restaurant, and. She saw my resume. We, you know, she. I was recommended by a couple of people who I honestly can't remember who had mentioned my name, and so we made initial contact, planned for an interview. Great. Like an hour after we finished those emails and phone calls, I got a call from a friend of mine, who was one of the other managers at this new place. He said, "I've got this great job. I think you're perfect for it. Please come in for an interview. It's going to be in Lakeview." And I'm like, "Wait a second. <laughs> I had just talked to someone like a couple hours ago, and obviously it was for the same place. And so I did a you know series of interviews, tastings, and all kinds of stuff. And well, I'm sure you can guess what happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, for me, uh, it's it was unbelievably you know fortuitous because finding a chef who is competent, who is dedicated. That's the kindest thing you've ever said to me. Yeah, exactly. I'm only doing this for public dissemination. But, you know, Brian has been unbelievable. And he's he is as much committed to the restaurant, to the mission of both of the restaurants. And he has, uh, he takes a ownership position and, and a mentality. And so, and on top of that, the quality of the food is, excellent. you know, is excellent. Oh, yeah. And it really... It's consistent. It's good. You know, we have amazing repeat uh, business, and so I I got lucky. 
so maybe you could talk to me a little bit about the mission of both restaurants and also what about the title of this, you know, the name of Milt's? Right. Well, I am, I and uh, my uncle Milty, who it's named after, uh, have often been described as uh, perplexed uh, <laughs> and, you know, just having the kosher idea and kosher barbecue is kind of perplexing and then Maimonides stepped in and wrote the guide for the perplexed. And so there were enough things that, you know, as soon as a friend had recommended it to me, I'm like, that's it. That's the name. <laughs> as far as the mission, you know, goes, it was a interest in doing something that I would love to do to build community and to realize that while I'm very much a capitalist, everything is not about, you know, a financial success. Mm -hmm. It's about creating something and creating something that I hope will last for a long period of time. And so being able to have a restaurant where people come in and you tell them, by the way, you know, all the profits here go to charity and different charities. And, you know, and then to say about Milt's extra innings that we have nine employees at the, at, uh, the restaurant who are special needs and, that uh, that's wonderful. And to see them achieving and feeling valued, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's priceless. It, it adds to the atmosphere, I think, of, of both places. It adds, you know, some people, it may add to it, some may be indifferent, and some people, you know, maybe somehow, you know, feel somewhat uncomfortable in an, in an environment where there's special needs people. And that's fine. That's life, mm -hmm. you know? And so in general, I think that people come away thinking and having a positive impression of what we're trying to do and understanding that our success is really a community project. It's something that, you know, we'll provide the food, we'll provide the, we created an environment which is very cool and hip. But, you know, it, if the... If the There's if serious the, business going on. Yeah, the, the community has to feel it's important. And this community loves us that's really great and it's evident in the enthusiasm and just the kind of, and you're right about the diversity I've, i haven't been here for a while in fact rabbi lapatin was still living in town oh. so i was here for like a lunch shame on you I it's know, been that long i know well no I, well whatever <laughs> okay. but i'm gonna eat there right. tonight so okay. um but but um really diverse crowds and families and single people and, and Jewish young professional and Jewish yeah. and uh, it's yeah. very cool it's right. hard to not fit in when you're eating barbecue here right and we make it a point and and the staff is Brian is not only the executive chef but he's also the general manager and the staff here is you know very well trained to deliver the type of environment and service that you know, welcoming. Mm -hmm. So uh, whenever I'm here, you know, I greet all the people and make everybody feel, especially those people who may not, uh, the, maybe their first trip to a kosher restaurant, you know, we have extra interest in making sure that they, you know, see what we're doing, understand our mission and feel comfortable and welcome. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you already had the idea you were going to have barbecue, that that was the the deal. Yeah. So Brian, walking into that... How was that for you, being that you've, you know, had training in other kinds of cuisine and 
So what was exciting about that idea, challenging? Talk to me about it. Well, I like a challenge, and and I'm always a sucker for punishment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I was a little nervous because I'd never done barbecue on a uh, large-scale professional level. I'd done little things, you know, using smoker at the house and small stuff. Um, But I wasn't really afraid because I like that type of food, and I like spicy, and I like really flavorful, and, you know, meat and potatoes and all that works you know, it's right down my alley. So, you know, it just, you know, I did a lot of research. We did a lot of practicing in R&D. Um, Jeff was extremely helpful making sure, you know, I had everything I needed to succeed at the job. And, you know, we rolled with it. It's, we got extremely lucky from the day we opened. I really feel like the kitchen and the and the whole concept went overall extremely smoothly. You hear about all these restaurants and places that, you know, become disasters or they're not ill-prepared or whatever. But, uh, you know, thank God it worked out. Can you talk to me a little bit about the menu? Like, if you're mm-hmm. not a meat eater, are you going to find something on the menu? And I, th- I seem to remember there were, s- like, so- different sauces. Mm-hmm. So tell me all about that. Well, I'll start with the uh, vegetarian stuff first, I guess. Well, my wife's a vegetarian. and As is mine. Yes. Pescatarian. <laughs> oh, yeah. And my, my husband's pescatarian. And my nice. wife said that opening up a barbecue restaurant was the, the greatest... Uh, slight or <laughs> you know, that 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 I've done in the last twenty two years, so that's pretty good. Yeah, have you rev- have you? Uh... I keep on asking Brian. You got to keep on being creative <laughs> on the vegetarian side, you know. Oh, we have a new restaurant now that has a lot more vegetarian items. Right. Anyway, yeah. So I try really hard to keep almost all of our non meat items completely vegetarian. I always make sure there's like a you know vegetarian entrees and all our sides are vegetarian, other than the baked beans. And I try to make it as much as possible where anybody can come and eat here. Uh, we have a fish item, uh, a house-made veggie burger that is gluten-free and vegan. Hmm. Yeah, it's really good. You should try it. <laughs> I, I might. Oh, the seitan. The seitan, yeah. Oh, I've smoked yeah. seitan. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the seitan, to me, is one of those little victories because I went to a kosher show right after, before we had opened, but right after I took the job, and I found a purveyor that makes seitan, and I mentioned, you know, I'm thinking I can smoke it and do the stuff, and he's like, you can't smoke seitan. <laughs> it'll dry out and all these things and I'm like I got this you know I, I, my confidence you know you know challenge me I can do it and I actually enjoy it I mean I stand on it whenever I walk by it sometimes you know <laughs> so you made it work I you can you yeah tell me. well yeah you, you tell me you tell okay. me you made it work <laughs> that was that statement <laughs> yeah you made it work whoa was that a kosher the, fest or was that somewhere that else? was a kosher fest yeah, yeah the year before or a couple this, years was, before this, yeah, we opened in January um, I accepted the job on Halloween day on October thirty first that's two thousand twelve <laughs> yeah it was a couple of years right. ago yeah it's been a, five years over five, so five years. years yeah oh I didn't see anybody selling seitan this year but I could have missed them I, this it was, was my first time and so you know eight hundred booths oh my god it was nuts yeah. And you mentioned the sauces too. So oh yeah, yeah thank we, you. We do. We have three homemade sauces. We do everything on the side. I again, from my Arkansas background, um, I don't like oversaucing things. And this is also part of my, I guess, French training is n- let the food shine. Let them, you know, let the items themselves become what they are. You don't need, you know, salt and pepper does wonders and flavor. You know, let things stand out on their own. So part of that is I want the sauces on the side because people can add to it if they want. You know, it's just why drown things and people have different palates. And so I offer three sauces. Uh, we have a traditional Kansas City, which is sweet and molassesy, and for the more of the basic that you, people are used to. And then I have a, Carol- a Northern Carolina-based one, which is a, a mustard-based. And it's a little sweet and a little tangy and got a little bit of a kick to it. And we have a house sauce. I don't really have a better name for it. It's uh, spicy, vinegary, and tomato-based. 
Um, growing up in Arkansas, my favorite type of barbecue is you have a dry rub piece of meat and you dip it in like vinegar and chili flakes. And, really? Yeah. And, and, and let, again, you're letting the meat shine, you're not yeah. drowning it in a bunch of sugar. So that's what I tried to mimic with that sauce. And I think it's great on the ribs. And I like mixing them up. I always tell people, you know, when they ask me which sauce to eat, I'm like, mix them up. You know, try a little yeah. bit of this. You know, they work great together. And uh, they you know, do. Let people and now I'm do really hungry. I thought I was hungry before. Um, now I really am. Is there a top seller? Is there like the thing that a uh, menu item that outshines all the others or not so much? Or? Um, well, by volume, it's a pretty close tie between three items, actually. Yeah. Um, the brisket sandwich. I think um, that's what I'm having yeah, tonight. Yeah, bris- pretty solid. Yeah. Um, the, the brisket and the milk burger, which we've had from day one. It's a freshly ground hamburger patty with our, our brisket chili on it. Some crispy onions we make in house, a barbecue aioli, and some crispy beef bacon, which we also cure and uh, smoke in house. Wow! And that's on a pretzel roll. Uh, we sell tons of those, and they're awesome. <laughs> and so, where do you do all the smoking? Uh, uh, not in a... this room, because this is. Well, uh, there's a... a lot of spices here. <laughs> we're in a storage room right we now. Are. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I but... just get to be in the best places ever. <laughs> yeah. There's a uh, we have a thousand pound uh, rotisserie smoker uh, in the you, kitchen. In the kitchen, you walked right past it. Whoa! Did not see it. Yeah, yeah. You walk back and you're oh, how did I miss that? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm thinking that that's how I'm gonna yeah. feel. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna just kind of shift things for a little bit and start to talk about baseball, and and as I said earlier, I really am a new baseball fan. I used to watch professional football. I mean, I did that for years. Loved football, and I've kind of. Well, Just Cubs have had, uh, you know, you'd wait, uh, we had to wait 108 years here I in know. Chicago, and so now you're... I'm glad I'm, I was here around that time. You're jumping on the bandwagon. I, I've jumped on, <laughs> it's true, but I'm like, if if I'm home by myself, I'll watch a game. Just for three hours, I'll watch a game. Anyway, I love the Cubs, and I'm really getting into baseball, but it sounds like you've been doing this for a long time, Jeff, so, so tell me about your baseball thing. Well... The, the what I I actually speak a lot about the history of Jews in baseball. And yeah, I, I don't even a, know it. So I have a great uh, presentation, and you know, one day we'll we'll uh, advertise on Facebook, and I'll do a presentation here. I actually did one in Boston this weekend, and they're doing an exhibit in New York oh, on cool. May on May sixth, and I'm uh, I'll be speaking about it. And there have been 170 Jews that have played in Major League Baseball really? since Lippman Pike in 1866. Oh. Um, but the reason that my interest in the history of Jews in baseball is really not about baseball. It's really about the fact that baseball, Jews in baseball, has really been kind of a metaphor for the Jewish experience in the United States and attracts it. And so in the you know the 1880s and to the 19, early 1900s, as the immigration wave was coming, you know, that the baseball was a way for the immigrants to feel more American and to assimilate. And they, you know, became both they loved to play and they loved to uh, follow the statistics and their favorite players. And, you know, having a Jewish player was, you know, was a huge thing for a team, especially a New York team. Oh, yeah. Where you could draw in a tremendous amount of fans because of it. And so the whole history and then, you know, it went all the way to, you know, a point today when a lot of the Jewish players feel more Jewish because of the fact that they're playing baseball. Because when they go to the different stadiums, all the kids will come up and say, hey, I'm Jewish just like you. Uh, And even though they may not have had any experience or any 
background in uh, their Jewish because many of them, you know, spent all their young years growing up playing baseball and not uh, participating in in any uh, religious activities mm-hmm. or or, um, or came from secular households. But that makes them feel, you know, more Jewish. And I took Team Israel that competed in the World Baseball Classic. I took the players to Israel last year to show them Israel for the first time. Wow. And these were a bunch of major league players. And so for me, what I love is the history is all about an incredible amount of mention about really great guys. And they, they Jews have brought so much to baseball and on so many levels that that's what my online virtual Jewish baseball museum is about. That's what the restaurant is. That's what I talk about it is to really to say to young Jewish kids, you know, there's so much to be proud of. There's so much beyond Hank Greenberg and Sandy Koufax and Marvin Miller. I mean, it goes on and on. And the stories about what they did as people. And it, it is something so much to be proud of, just like our uh, history as Jews in America, that we've given so much and America has been spectacular to us, and the same thing that baseball is. So I love the metaphor. I love the sport. I uh, to say that that I miss a game would be embarrassing to me, you know, <laughs> as opposed to sitting at home and watching one because yeah. I watch an awful lot of them, <laughs> and I love the I love it. So when did you start collecting memorabilia? I started uh, collecting memorabilia. Oh, a, a bunch of years ago when a a person who had uh, assembled the largest collection had uh, decided he was moving across the country and needed to sell. And so I bought a huge collection and then kept on buying at auctions uh, in an obsessive compulsive sort of uh, you know <laughs> way. And then this person with the second largest collection passed away and his son called me and I bought that collection. Whoa. And so I have about 5,000 items right now. In um, your house? In, in storage. In storage. Um, including stuff that's in the muse- in, in the uh, restaurant on display there. And, you know, it's become another obsession. What would you say are like one or two of the most unusual kinds of memorabilia that you have? Well... My favorite items, I guess my two favorite were, I have Sandy Koufax's away jersey that he used in games in 1963, which was his best year, uh, which is great. And I also have a a cap uh, from Hank Greenberg that he had sent to somebody with a letter. He sent it to somebody who, a friend of his, who once Hank got back after serving the longest amount of time of any professional baseball player during World War II, when he got back, one of his friends was still overseas, and he sent him a cap and a letter. And I have the letter and the cap, oh. and he just talks about, you know, I wish you good luck and all that stuff. Those are my two favorite items. But the most unusual thing that I that I wound up with in one of these collections was a dirt from the polo ground. <laughs> I, what? I, I, it's, it's actually in uh, extra innings. It's on the shelf. Uh, somebody, I don't know, you know, they had in there said that the polo grounds in uh, New York where the New York Giants played, somebody took some dirt from it and put it into a glass and this collector, you know, collected it and I have it on display because I just think it's so hilarious that yeah. somebody collected some dirt. It's that's pretty. Yeah. That is pretty hilarious. What about your Uncle Milt Bobblehead? 
Oh, and then I made bobbleheads of my uncle, my uncle Milt, because uh, I have bobbleheads of a lot of the players. Of course, you do. Um, and and uh, I figured Uncle Milty needed his his own bobblehead. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So your museum is a virtual museum. It's a virtual museum. It's a JewishBaseballMuseum.com. Thank you. And then select items are on uh, display at the restaurant Milt's Extra Innings. And do you change them up, or do you? Well, we've only been, Milt's Extra Innings has only been open for about uh, five months now. Yeah. So eventually, I probably will. But right now, they're still the same things. Are there any good stories, Milt's stories, to, to talk about, either in the kitchen or or in the restaurant that you? that you feel comfortable sharing. That was going to be my next caveat. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens in kitchens. Which of are, course. <laughs> I'd probably get in a lot of trouble for telling. <laughs> so maybe a story in the restaurant. Uh, well, there's one thing I will say. One of the things that really attracted me to the concept and idea of the restaurant is the ability for me to be able to make it as inclusive as possible in terms of the dietary restrictions. And so I definitely, definitely made it a mission to make it nut-free and gluten-free a lot of items. We have a dedicated fryer that doesn't have any other gluten that goes in there, stuff like that. There's nothing, and I mean this so sincerely, there's nothing that makes me happier at my job than to see the joy on some people who, especially people that keep kosher, that that literally cannot go out to eat anywhere else, and that it kind of becomes like life-changing in a way. Um, There was um, one girl She's not, I don't believe she was Jewish. Um, I actually, no, I think, I'm pretty sure they said she wasn't Jewish, but she heard about the place, about how we're you know, very open, and she has, like, severe, you know, anaphylaxis, nut allergies and gluten, like, she, a lot of stuff she couldn't eat. And I didn't even hear about this until, you know, I saw the ticket come in, and it says allergies, and so we took care of it. And, you know, I didn't even talk to the table till at the end. Uh, you know, I was told, hey, you know, table, what, whatever, wants to come out and talk to you. And so I go out there, and it's like this 10-year-old girl who's basically crying, like she would just oh what'd she say oh she said like she showed her complete happiness and said that I had made this like the happiest night of her life that she was able to eat out at a restaurant and not have fear that she could stop breathing or anything horrible could happen to her you know that one it definitely affected me I mean that was like three years ago and I still remember it and she has come in a couple times since then and just gives me a big hug every time she comes in oh that's very cool (laughs) nice and so do you have a Fantasy of some new concoction? Are you always thinking about new things, whether it be sauces or... Yeah, actually, that is one of the reasons why we opened up. I wanted the new restaurant opening up at Mills Extra Innings is that one of the frustrations with the barbecue concept in the restaurant is that it is pretty relatively rigid. I am more or less a, a traditionalist when it comes to, you know, cuisine. So we're doing a barbecue restaurant. I'm not going to start putting tacos on the menu, you know. And then I've got a lot of pressure to put things like, why don't you have sushi? And it makes me want to, Or about hot dogs. Yeah, hot dogs. And, oh, the amount of times (laughs) I got yelled at for not having hummus. You know, you're Jewish. Oh, where's your matzo ball soup? And and so after a while, after years of this, and I'm like, you know, and also for creativity on my side, you know, I I do want to do things, but I don't want to mess with the core menu. I want to keep it a barbecue restaurant. So one of the things when... um, I, I will take credit for presenting the idea of the new, uh, the new restaurant to Jeff. <laughs> Obviously, he liked it and ran with it. Yeah. I mean, part of my selfish reasons was I did want to branch out a little bit and start playing with new foods and, you know, being able to bring out new ideas because with the the menu on the deli side, um, again, we do get to play with some charcuterie. We get to, you know, I'm pickling, you know, corned beef and, and uh, pastrami and stuff like that. 
but I can also, you know, the menu's static. I can play around with the stuff that's in the deli case and do things, and it also opens up our catering options quite a bit. One of our, you know, one of the big drawbacks of a barbecue restaurant is people think barbecue, which is great. You know, there are worse things to have in your life. But when we're trying to expand our catering options and, you know, work on that direction, it's hard to explain to people, oh, well, we don't just do barbecue. We can actually do a whole lot more. It's a lot easier when you have another another venue and more cooking equipment and more space and to be able to do things that aren't just a bunch of smoked meats and on trays. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I walked by it, obviously, to get in here. But I haven't been in extra innings, but I'm I'm sure that will change. So for our podcast, I like to ask some of our guests if they will share a recipe. And I know you've already agreed to do that. I took a look at it. It looks amazing. And so people will need to go to the website to find it. But you want to talk a little bit about this dish and why you selected this? Well, since barbecue, I figured it would make sense. Oh, I definitely. Yeah. If you haven't checked your email, I sent you a pomegranate brisket. It looked incredible. <laughs> looks incredible. Yeah. I, I, I actually I made that a couple years ago for a private party. Someone wanted something a little different. It was a oh, Israeli consulate. They wanted some. Uh, it was for Rosh Hashanah. They wanted like a pomegranate brisket. So I got this. Whoa. <laughs> what a great idea. Yeah. So um, it, it's 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 great. It's phenomenal. It's a different flavor. Um, you know, I have made like a pomegranate barbecue sauce. I love fruit um, in my sauces. Uh, we don't have it on, on our permanent menu at Mills, but I do play around. I'll do like a blueberry or a peach or kinds of things like Ooh. that, a little seasonal. And so I, this one's a pomegranate, which would be great for really any time of year. And now it's very easy to find kosher pomegranate molasses, so why not? Yeah, why not? Well, I want to thank you and Jeff for being my guest today. Thanks so much for listening to The Big Schmear today. Our recording engineer is Mary Mazurik. And our editor and mix engineer is Steve Robinson. The Big Schmear theme music is performed by Cavatino Duo from their CD entitled Sephardic Journey on the CD record label. Be sure to check out thebigschmear.com to find recipes shared by my guests. If you like The Big Schmear, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and like us on Facebook. I'm Beth Schenker, the host of The Big Schmear. Thank you for listening and happy eating.